Stick around. More of Cofield and Company is on the way. And the big part of being a team is you have to be able to communicate with other people and you have to work with other people. And you can never have any team chemistry for this reason. Mediocre people don't like high achievers and high achievers don't like mediocre people. So if everybody doesn't buy into the same principles and values of the organization and the same high standard, you're never going to be successful. I love Coach Speak. I feel like John Gruden would have a message like that. Crank it up. Pirate in the autumn wind is a high achiever, right? Uh, it's not a mediocre person. No. What do you think when you hear that? The high achiever isn't liked by the mediocre person, and the high achiever doesn't like the mediocre person. I mean, it's 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 an interesting concept. I think uh, it reps most workplaces. I think it does, but I also think like high achiever is a subjective term. Mm, okay. I mean, people look at you know, you you could look at somebody who is very successful but didn't do anything to be successful. So you're a mediocre. You just gave it away. No, but I I have you have jealousy. I would say I'm of the high achiever. I would say you're me- judging the high achiever. Mediocre is what I strive for. Like I'm not even too mediocre. Yet. You try to set the bar as low as possible. But I also have diminished a, expectations are the key to life. But I have a ton of respect for high achievers that are high achievers because they work for it. I despise high achievers that have never done anything and that either inherited or you know backed into well then are they really high achievers that's what i'm saying are they viewed as high achievers literally what i was saying is it's a subjective term like who's deciding who's high achievers or not right um because yeah i i will freely admit that i would hate somebody that would be considered a high achiever that is that has not achieved but a high achiever that achieved that did it themselves that worked for it have a ton of respect for High achiever back in studio, Ari down the line. I can see him wildly nodding his head. Is Ari. that right, Ari? Ari is That's high damn right, yes. People that think they're high achievers. What really are you trying to say? Me. What are you trying to say as the microphone button sticks the whole time? Uh, yeah, that's how I feel for sure. It's the button's fault. That's right. The button is not the high achiever. Dynamite addition to the conversation, Ari. <laughs> Thank you. That's that's what I strive for. <laughs> that was actually Nick Saban with that speech. I love that. I every once in a while, that's a good that's a good way to start your day for a little extra motivation. I saw that up on uh, the Twitter machine today. I was like, yeah, we're gonna put that in the show. <laughs> we get the Vat good. Sound crew to cut up a little Saban. The, the high achieving takes down the whole team. The high achieving sound mediocrity crew. takes down the whole team. It just does. <laughs> Case in point, Aaron Rodgers. Why is he not at Packers camp? What the frig? Uh, he's not there. Well, he was not there because he's obviously sending a message. $93,000 is what he can be uh, dinged if he doesn't show up over the next three days. It doesn't sound like he's showing up unless uh, Yoko Woodley gives approval. That's a joke. But she also, seems like a very nice lady, Shailene Woodley. It's not her fault. Yoko. Uh, I, I feel like they're not going to find him. I think they're going to try to deem this excused. And push off like I don't I don't think they want to even though it's you know to Aaron Rodgers ninety three thousand dollars is what nothing if if you and I I'm Rodgers 
you're Bakhtiari. Okay. Would you do a work with me on the Packers? Which means I'm sitting out, you're at camp, and you flamethrow me. So, like, I, as Bakhtiari, would yes. rip on Aaron Rodgers? Yes. On you, Aaron Rodgers? Yes. And then I dig in even more. Like, you're saying you would you would be cool. You, you would approve me. I would approve you. of it. Okay. I have no idea what the end game would just be. Just to show, just, like, there's some there's some division between the team and yeah, Rodgers. Yeah, and yeah, Show the organization, hey, you yeah. better trade me because the players are now turning on me. Because clearly the opposite's not happening. Bakhtiari and Devontae Adams showed up. Walk, dude. What, are they going to fire you too? Well, and now I say two, then they're not firing anybody. As Devontae, How about bond together? Devontae Adams said, which is the perfect answer, he goes, I grew up with literally nothing. I'm not paying anybody money to not show up somewhere. It's <laughs> ah. <laughs> a good point. Touche. Yeah. Touche. But I, and I don't, I don't know if he would have got the same, you know, favor as Rodgers. Because I do think, I think they're not going to find him because, like I said, it's a small amount of money. And I think the Packers will probably look at this as an opportunity to be like, we're still trying to work with Aaron. Like, if you find him the 93,000, you're just throwing salt in the wounds. Like, what's the point? That would be my work, too. I'd want, as as you, as Bakhtiari, I'd be like, find him. If I, I didn't show here. up, I'd be getting fined right now. Why is Aaron not getting fined? If I have to be here, he better be here. And then I would roll in, like, charity. Well, the like, problem- that money probably goes to charity. He's cheating charity. The Find pro- him. The problem with this plan of yours, because I, I think what the plan would be is that you, you, Aaron Rodgers, are trying to get me to trash you to show the team like there's division and maybe they have to move on and everything else. I would say, as Bakhtiari, why am I trying to play on a bad team? Like, why do I want you to not be here? Why am I going to play along with this game? I, do, I don't want you to leave. I got to think it through. That just came up okay. instantly. I really don't have any logic behind it. Okay. That one didn't make much sense, but I'll come up Fair with something. Okay. I'll, I'll think it through. Well, unlike the Packers who are dysfunctional, what a mess. Offensive lineman uh, hates Aaron Rodgers now. Um, how about Julio Jones and A.J. Brown? A.J. Brown recruited him. A.J. Brown lands Julio Jones single-handedly. A.J. Brown has the number. He actually offered number 11 to Julio Jones. What happened? Julio Jones said, no, I'm good. Wow. This is a Super Bowl winning team. <laughs> because they're Look at the harmony already. I think it's also possible 11 doesn't mean that much to Julio. Okay. Maybe he was planning on changing his number to a single digit. Well, he didn't wear it before. Can what? I don't know all the number uh, changes. Can, can uh, and I'd have to look at the Titans roster. Can, can Julio Jones be 99? No. God dang it. What's the highest number? 49? And then, and then the eighty to eighty-nine. Can you be forty-four? I think you can. Now. That's kind of cool. That's a fullback's number. I think that uh, would confuse me. Imagine Julio Jones like on a route. They're like, "Oh, that's a fullback." I think zero to forty-nine are open for for receivers. Now. How much of Tom Brady's? I think some of it was real, where Brady was pissing and moaning about the number change that it's gonna, you know, it's gonna kind of screw things up. Are there going to be defensive backs who are like, "Yeah, it's a fullback." Possibly. Running deep. Oh, crap. That's Julio Jones. Like, do they identify by numbers that much in, in like, the split second? That was Tom Brady's. I actually – I claim. think he's somewhat legit with the quarterbacks because so, it's such a mental thing as you're scanning the field. No, but, I think, I think I, he was being absolutely honest about it. But I'm assuming most defensive backs in the National Football League will be able to recognize 
Julio Jones if he's like 41, which I just mean, seems like a slow power guy, of, you know, just ramming heads. I'm going to guess like eight. Maybe an eight for Julio. That'd be a good number. He's worn that before. He, he never wore 11 before the NFL, so uh, it doesn't seem like that number was very important to him anyway. Um, we'll see where he goes. I mean, it, this this has become interesting. I will say that, you know, just to go behind the scenes a little bit, I think numbers are kind of silly. Like I, really? Yeah. You never had a number? No, 13 was mine. But, uh, but I'm saying like. Oh, but that wasn't silly. No, this is very important. I represent my favorite player of all time, Glenn Robinson. Well, I, you just <laughs> said it was. I think the numbers are kind of silly. No, I, 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 I won think, 13. Yeah, it was very important. No, it's important to you. But I think numbers like us being obsessed with numbers is kind of silly at times but i will also say i have done like four number store number change stories this year you're just sick of it love them they they're uh, people love those stories clickbait Uh, it's not though i mean it's people aren't very interested all right i think we spend the next 10 minutes on the way back with miles simmons from pro football talk on numbers and we'll get the julio jones we'll also get how about this number 26th all that work all those additions, all those changes on the defensive line, and Pro Football Focus has the Raiders defensive line, defensive line, defensive line, defensive line, 26th? Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. From the fantastic Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. Rolling on Tuesday, uh, NBA MVP news is in. As uh, JVT mentioned yesterday, I, it just seems like the, the random announcements. These are kind of big moments in the NBA, but the MVP is in. Uh, Jokic is the winner saw that interesting note earlier today that uh we actually when he was drafted by the nuggets it actually was not on live tv they were in a commercial uh i think it was a quesarito commercial for taco bell as Jokic was drafted they came back from break and they're like yeah this guy got drafted Jokic, and that was the mvp Jokic outlasted the quesarito are you sure it's not around because i just punched it up and it looks like you can order it but i don't know maybe it's like on the secret menu it was removed from the menu in july of 2020 is that right I mean, it looks good. The picture looks good. Of course, the, you know, the food never looks like this picture. Jokic probably enjoys a quesarito. What's with all the upgrades now? The Taco Bell? Yeah, well, like, I'd, yeah, I got a dollar thirty to upgrade for some chicken in the thing instead of the ground beef. Chicken's not cheap. And, uh, not anymore, it's not. No. You got to pay for it. Right, what are we talking about? Quesaritos or your, uh, your insistence on numbers are not important in the NFL? Numbers? I guess so, yeah. Well, why don't we give the guest a choice? Miles, numbers or quesaritos? Uh, quesaritos. Let's go quesaritos first. All right. What do you think? Do you have any recollection of this food, and do you know enough about Taco Bell? Can we still get it? Uh, you know what? I, I feel like I've recently seen a commercial where the quesarito was going back, but I'm not sure if okay. that actually is true. Um, but e- either way, you know, I'm not really a big quesarito guy. I'm more of a crunch wrap supreme guy. No, if I'm, you know, going to murder some Taco Bell at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning after a pleasant night out with my friends, then that's what I want. I want to, you know, have the taco sauce, that's uh, the, the hot sauce, not the fire. The fire is a little too much, and you want to throw like a mild or two packet in there, but you mostly want it to be hot, and then you want that sauce to just kind of 
drip off the corner of your mouth is you're wow. sucking down that delicious uh, crunch wrap supreme. That's the way I think of my Taco Bell. That got that got kind of delicious, almost erotic. That was nice. Yeah, man. Hey, Good no, that's you. a Taco Bell. No, uh, you have you clearly have a passion for it. Yeah, has anybody ever been to Taco Bell before midnight? By the way, I I, I will say this. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was bored, and uh, I went to get my car washed, and there was a Taco Bell there, and it was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I probably ate Taco Bell um, without drinking for the first time in a good 10 years. Was it delicious? It was fantastic, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk Julio Jones. There's no segue for that. <laughs> no. Uh, what, do you think of, what do you think of Julio landing in... Nashville uh, doesn't make the Titans as uh, as good as the second or third best team in the AFC now. I think it's interesting because it depends on how much better their defense is going to be. And, you know, I don't know that their defense is going to be that much better this year. They've added some pieces. Uh, I think signing Janoris Jenkins actually was a pretty good addition for them. But they didn't change anything about their coaching situation. When you look at what they did defensively, I mean, they were the absolute worst at defending teams on third down. Over 50% of uh, opponents' third downs were converted. And we're talking about a team that won the division. Like, that's not something that you usually see. You know, a defense that bad, and then they are still able um, to go into the playoffs. And, I mean, you can say that they were very competitive uh, against Baltimore. I don't know if they should have won that game or not. But, look, I, I think that offense, though, should be one of the best. But... Again, you're changing coordinators because Arthur Smith is now um, in Atlanta, right, as the head coach. So, I I think that the excuse me, the Titans should be really good. You know, if this is a real pick your poison kind of deal when you have both Julio Jones and AJ Brown on, you know, the outside there at wide receiver, and I, I don't know if people really know just how good AJ Brown is. I really thought that he should have been Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2019 when Kyler Murray won, because to me, Kyler Murray wasn't special and A.J. Brown helped the Titans get to the playoffs. So those two guys are really, really good, and then they've got arguably the best running back in football in Derrick Henry. And so you know, if you decide, all right, we're going to make sure that uh, we're protecting ourselves on the outside and we're you know, double-covering Julio, we're trying to roll some sort of coverage to A.J. Brown, well, that's going to mean that the box isn't going to be stacked for Derrick Henry, and they're just going to eat you alive, probably getting five, six, maybe even seven yards of carry. So – they're going to be a matchup problem, but will the scheme help them out? That's something that's yet to be determined. Have some uh, breaking Julio Jones news. I'll get to that in a second. But uh, you mentioned the Titans defense. What what is going to be more important for the Titans in their hopes of winning the division? Their defense or whether Carson Wentz takes a big step forward? Oh, I'm so glad you brought up Carson Wentz because a couple of days ago when the trade went down, I was texting some buddies who worked for the Titans, and I basically said, like, there's no excuses now, man. Because what that division is, is, is right now to me is the Titans and everybody else. Because I don't really have much faith that Carson Wentz is all of a sudden going to, like, turn back from the pumpkin into the carriage, right? I, it, I just, I don't really see it happening. You know, he had, he was sacked 50 times last year because he didn't know how to get rid of the ball and he only played 12 games. Right? He took a sack more games than Deshaun Watson, who finished with 49 in 16 games. So that, to me, tells you a lot about where Carson Wentz is. Now, the Colts are a really good team, and I think we can say like, the Colts are the rare team that are basically a quarterback away. Right? So 
if Carson Wentz works out, then yeah, the Colts and the Titans are probably going to clash for that division. But I, I just have a really hard time thinking that that's what's going to happen. I mean, I, and frankly, I think the Titans should be better than the Colts, especially now that they have added Julio Jones. Uh, we were talking about the numbers. Tom Brady said the numbers are going to be a mess uh, with some single-digit numbers running around the field. He seems to think it's a big deal. Um, I, I'm i not sure how big of a deal it's going to be. I'll say this. We were joking about Julio Jones' number a minute ago. The Titans, as we are speaking, unveiled number two for Julio Jones. Mm. Who does number two work for? Interesting, interesting to you at all? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't have picked that number. I don't think two is a good wide receiver number, frankly. It doesn't seem strong enough. You know, two is like for a Isn't that the point? Isn't that the point? This is all chicanery. You're trying to fool people. We were just joking about it. I was saying he should go to 44. Like, when the D-backs look up, they're like, two? What is this, a punt return? If if he was 44, you'd think, you know, sluggish dude can't run by me. Right. Actually, that's a good point, man. That's a very good point. Because... Yeah, when you usually see 44, like, that's for a fullback or, like, a running back who was, like, the third or fourth guy in training camp, and now all of a sudden he's got to come up from the practice squad because everybody else is hurt. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, the whole numbers thing, I'm just like, I was really kind of railing against it at the beginning, but now I just got like, I don't really care. I think it's going to be something that's weird, you know, when I'm watching games on Sundays and covering them and, you know, hopefully being in stadiums and whatnot, and I'm like, why is that guy number two? He shouldn't be wearing that number. And then I'll realize, oh, wait, you know, this is 2021. And, you know, cats and dogs are doing things together now. You know, like, it's just <laughs> it's just the way things are. I don't know. I, 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 I got to get over it. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk is with us. All right, what are your sources? What are Florio sources? What are PFT sources saying about where uh, A-Rod and the Packers are right now? I mean, is, we expected this, but the, does it really mean anything in, long, in the, you know, the, the long run of the story? I think it's so interesting that it's basically become Aaron Rodgers versus the front office, but he's not mad at his teammates or his coaches. And like when he went on uh, ESPN Sports Center and said that to Kenny, said what he said to Kenny Maine, which was basically like, you know, I, I don't have a problem with Jordan Love. I don't have a problem with my teammates. I don't have a problem with my coaches. Or I, I think he said, I love them, whatever he said, you know. And then he very clearly left off the front office part of that equation. So it's now like, because they're in mini camp, you've got guys who have to answer questions, right? Like they're doing media. And so you get David Bakhtiari today, the left tackle. You get Devontae Adams, wide receiver. They're both asked about Aaron Rodgers. And it's just kind of like, oh, well, I mean, I'm just here and I'm doing my job. And, you know, there's not really much else I can do. And like David Bakhtiari, who's one of Aaron Rodgers' closest friends on the team, is saying, you know, I'm not going to insert myself into that situation because there's basically I, what I interpreted what he was saying is that there's nothing good that can come out of me really commenting on this either way. And so I, that's one of the problems that happens when a guy who is so important to the team holds out. And that's effectively what this is at this point because it's mandatory minicamp and because he's not there, right? So you get guys that have to answer these questions about, oh, man, what does it mean that he's not here? You know, do you wish he was here? What have you talked to him? What has he said? What do you think that he wants? And all this and all that. And the only way to really remedy that is for Rogers to come out and say things himself and or but mostly and be there himself 
and basically say this is over, right? And even then, it's you know, guys are going to get the questions like, oh, wow, what was that like as you had to go through it? Were you ever nervous? And da, 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 da. But that would make it end quicker than it's going to at this point. Because now, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen when it comes to training camp, but it's not like the Packers can waive the fines like they can in for, uh, for mandatory minicamp in training camp anymore because that was a provision of the CBA that just got signed last year. So Ooh. I still tend to think that Rodgers is going to be in a Green Bay Packers uniform this season, but is there a chance that he's not? Sure. On the Raiders, what kind of upside does their defensive line have? Pro Football Focus is out with their uh, rankings on position groups, and they've got the Raiders only down at 26. Yeah, I mean, doesn't that make sense? That's been the, I mean, this has been their, their struggle point for their entire um, existence since John Gruden has come back, uh, you know, in 2018. Like, they, they can't really get sacked. They cannot generate that much pressure. I mean, the, the year that Adam and I were on the beat together in 19, they did the best job that they've done of it um, since Gruden's been back. But, I mean, then that they, they let um, Benson Mayo walk in for agency, and he was basically the one that was generating so much pressure. I mean, aside from Max Crosby, right? So, look, it, it's when you have a situation where Crosby is the best pass rusher of your 2019 draft class where you drafted somebody at four overall who's ostensibly a defensive end, you got to figure out now, like when you're three years into this, you got to figure out where guys play best. And if they're not going to live up to that draft status, kind of doesn't matter. You know, you have to figure out, okay, what's the best fit for this guy in year three so that by the time we get to next spring, I know definitively I'm going to pick up this fifth year option or I'm not. And, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Cleveland Furl, but when you have now Yannick Ngakwe and you compare him opposite Max Crosby in pass rushing situations, that should make you better. It should make you generate more pressure. But, and, and I mean, they've got pieces on the inside too, but I think those guys are the key. You know, if they are working very well together and then you've got guys on the inside who can start pushing the pocket a little bit too, then yeah, you're going to be able to generate more pressure. But also in the division you've got, I mean, you know, the, the, the Chiefs have gone out and done so many good things with their offensive line, and they've already got Patrick Mahomes, and we know how good Patrick Mahomes is. But then you look at the Chargers and what they've done. I mean, you go out and get Slater in the draft, and you take care of the need that you've so clearly had. I mean, after you traded Russell Okun last year and then kind of went through things with Sam Tevy um, for the most part in, in 2020. So, both of those teams should have better offensive lines than they did last year. And uh, the Chargers also signed center, the Green Bay center, whose name I think, Lindsley, um, I believe that's his name. So all the, both of those teams are your biggest competition in the division. We can throw out the Broncos because, I mean, whether you have Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, like that's, that's a terrible quarterback competition, I'm sorry. But those two other teams are the teams that are your competition in the division. And – if you can't generate pressure against those two teams, that's you know four games out of your 17-game season that it's going to be an issue. Corey Lindsley. Uh, let's close on a wild-card question. Oh, boy. Uh, this one is from Adam. Uh, Jeff Bezos is going to space. If you were him and you could buy your way into space, would you do it? No. No, no. <laughs> no. I would not. They would, have to, they would have to sedate me basically the entire time um, from, like, 
before I would get on the space shuttle, because I, I don't think I would even get on the space shuttle. Like, if you sedated me, you got me onto the space shuttle, you got me into space, and then I woke up and I could see the Earth, I'd probably scream for, like, 15 <laughs> seconds and then pass out. And then I would wake up again and then scream again for, like, 30 seconds and then pass out. Maybe after five times of, like, waking up and passing out, I'd be able to look at the Earth and be like, wow, this is really cool. Okay, I can see all the continents. Okay, 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 please put me back out. And then they'd have to put me back out until we got back to Earth. Next time you're on Peacock with Florio, um, go ahead, use this topic. This is a good one. Give Adam credit and also use my fullback topic on the Julio Jones number, okay? Yeah, I might do that. I'm on uh, PFT Live this Friday. So you could maybe watch that at 4 o'clock Eastern, excuse me, 4 o'clock Pacific on Peacock. Or then at six o'clock Pacific on the rear on NBC Sports Network. So there you go. God, you're a pro. You're a pro. I did a, a, a innovative, a creative, subtle segue, and you just picked up on it. Good stuff, Miles. I try, man. I try. There he is, Miles Simmons. Thanks, Miles. <laughs> All right, see you guys. I set up the tease without really, you know, giving away that it was a tease. He was smart. Impressive. He was smart on that one. Uh, yes or no? Or should we answer it on the way back during the uh, fat pack? Answer it on the way back. Also, a very important question. I really got my feelings hurt a year ago when we asked this question. That's coming up in the Fat Pack. Get that mortgage tuned up right now. 877-700-NOVA is the number to call at Nova Home Loans. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's I got a couple of questions here for Adam Hilder and the Fat Pack. Uh, this is generally a discussion of food, restaurants, bars, but eh, it can also be tricky at times. Uh, one, on the Bezos thing, he's going to space. He's going to try to. Good luck. Would you do it? Yeah, uh, yes, and like I wouldn't be the first. Like I wouldn't go when Bezos is going. I agree. I want to be in that sweet spot. Like I don't want to be last, and I don't want to. I don't want to go when it's like a like everybody is going. Of when course. There's like of course four flights a day. Sure. Like I don't want to be that one. I want to be like I was thinking about it. I'm thinking like the thirtieth or fortieth flight, like you know, passenger flight to space. Okay. I'm in for something like that. I would never go. Never? No. I mean, what if, what if you know, nah. what if we have, a, like, a, nah. what if there's land up there? We, we have, like, a city, and we have to get away from from the Earth. I don't trust it. <laughs> trust what? Eh. I was, I was around in 86. The Challenger, I'm done. I'm out. I mean, I was around, I, I, wa- I watched that live, and, yeah, like, in school, I'm, no thanks. Was it, 80, was it 86? Yeah. I, was, I thought it was 84 for some reason. Um. Research machine. All right, you want to look it up? You were, you were in college at the time. You should know. I was, I think, in kindergarten. Or I wasn't. It was Jan- January twenty eighth, nineteen eighty six. There you go. Eighty six. So it was maybe in first uh, grade. very important question for you. Ari's all over this one. National Best Friends Day today. Okay. So think about it. Fat Pack, the Rat Pack. I mean, those guys are pretty good friends. They have good sure. times, right? I don't know if Sinatra would say, "Hey, uh, you know, Dean, you know, Sammy, best friend." I don't. I don't know. I don't know how this works. Uh, last year, we or it was probably like two years ago, three years ago, uh, we put this to the test, and man, I got bombed out 
I think it was McKinnell was like, he just dropped a bomb on all of us. Basically, it was like, I don't really like any of you guys. Friend. That's because <laughs> friend is one thing. Best friend's another level. Well, uh, my question is always like, are you allowed to have more than one best friend? Because the, the term yeah. would indicate it's one. But I think most people consider a group of like three or four or five people as their best friend. Really? Yeah. I would. I think the limit was probably like two. <laughs> Hold on. The limit is either one or a group. We can't. Two is a, a really weird limit. I think the term would imply there's than like just one. One, yeah. But like I said, I think most people consider like their best friend group of like a three or four people. Would you lecture a child? Say they're like six. Okay. And they're like, this is my best friend. Would the lecture include like you're six. You don't know what a best friend is. Wait until this person does this to you. Is there a time limit? I'm actually going to completely steal this from ESPN LA. Their question was, how old do you have to be to call someone your best friend? Ooh. How much time has to be put in to prove they're your bestie, your BFF? It's a great question. Have you had best friends? Bailed. Oh, yeah. I'm going to work on a list. I'll, I'll I'm going to work on a list. I got to think of people that I thought were best friends that I was just like, I'm done with this. Or vice versa. Um, I mean, I'll talk, I'll, I know one for sure, which it's not really the case anymore in modern days. But, like, I had a best friend that we were, like, inseparable from, like, second grade until, like, seventh. Real or imaginary? I figured you had, like, an imaginary friend. Probably. Kind of a weird I kid. Know. Uh, no, like, a, a legitimate, like, best friend. You know, years we were best friends in Maryland. And we and what moved. happened? He stole your girl? No, we moved. Like, that was it. Like, yeah. back then, there was no Facebook or... Yeah, hey, well, we'll jump on the phone. Social media? Yeah, there was none, none of that. And then every time you did the rotary, you're like, this is too much. <laughs> yeah, like, what, what is this? Because it's taking forever. Well, you, like, you, back then, it was you didn't have cell phones, so it was long-distance calls. Well, you're going to get on the phone, and your parents are like, it's 25 cents a minute. You can talk for four hours a day. Yeah. So that was it. Like, we, I don't think we're, we're now friends on Facebook. But I don't think, like, I, we never saw each other again. If you ask everyone today, hey, who's your best friend? And a lot of them are like, oh, my wife. Do you hate them? <laughs> of course. Yeah, I figured. I figured for you, the SO, any SO, any significant other is off the table as because best friend. I, I don't think that should count. She's my best friend. Uh, first of all, I don't think that should count. Why not? Because there's a different label. If we're going to be into labels, that, that's the label. What if you're not married? It's still fine. What if I just introduce the SO as, hey, here's my best friend? I, it drives me nuts. That it would really be, that, that would, people would get, be completely thrown off. Of course. Because then they'd be like, wait, are they like together together? Or are they just friends? Yeah. It, 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 no, it, I said she's my best friend. It, what, do you, what do you think it means? What does that mean? Uh, people, people say it all the time that their wife, their wife or husband's are best friend. They're, now, here's the thing. We know that it was mostly a fallacy. And as I joke all the time, the pandemic was a proving ground. Sure. Well. A lot of people found out who were like, oh, yeah, she's my best friend. Is she? I love her. <laughs> and then 14 months without being able to go out much or working at home around each other and then kids and, you know, cats and in your case, dogs, you're like, ooh, misread this one. Not really my best friend. <laughs> the dog, dogs are the best. Friend. National best friend day, everybody. <laughs> of course, we only bring fun to the day. Ruin it for everyone. I feel like you're ruining it more than I am. Not at all. <laughs> you're very down on the best friend scenario. Will you text someone today and go, you know what? You're it. No. Why not? 
Well, first of all, I don't think most people are aware that it's Best Friends Day. I guess you see the hashtag. I might text someone today. They're obviously or listening. Couple, or or a couple of people. You know, well, hmm. will you? Okay. Can you, because we talked about this yesterday, your social hijacking yesterday that you pulled off against me? That was pretty good. Will you send a text to somebody saying they're your best friend, but include somebody else that might think they're your best friend? I don't even get that. I got to think about that during the break. Sammy P is coming up, our gambling expert. Uh, as always, he's got a whole list of gambling topics. And every time we start off the conversation with him, he is completely thrown off because we just talk about what we want to talk about. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I don't even know what the bet is. You threw a bet out about the series because you were laughing at the Av series price over the Golden Knights. We never really responded to you and consummated the bet. I'll buy Naked City for the whole staff if the Knights win the series, which will not happen, by the way. And then, like, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we didn't, we don't know about the bet. You know, like, it's fine. Let's, somebody's got to own up to that. Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. Looky here. Looky here. Sammy P last week. Very sure about himself. Said the number probably should be minus 250 for the series abs. Steal at minus 200. Uh, we consummated the bet. We consummated the bet. <laughs> Sam, if he loses, is buying food for the staff. And as Sam knows... Uh, RN did accept the bet, but it was actually Ari who accepted the bet. So, Sam, how fired up are you? I'm good, man. I'm feeling uh, on the fire scale out of 1 to 10. I'm probably at a 9.5 right now, and I'm not being really? hyperbolic. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, I, I make the bet. I make all these statements, and then, like, you know, nobody wants to say anything when the Knights go down to nothing, but then they tie it up, and everybody's like, yeah, go Knights! And <laughs> like seven games. Um, I appreciate the counter. Uh, because Vegas did exactly what they had to do, right? Now they go to Game yep. Five, and, and Game Five usually is the game that swings the series. And I saw this stat the other day: the home team that has Game Five and Seven at home, when they win Game Five, they win a hockey series about seventy percent of the time. So the math is still against Vegas, but hey, you get a bounce, you get a puck to go your way, man. Anything goes in hockey, and, and we know that. Of everyone on the show, who was talking the most trash? Probably you, because like last no. week you were saying, oh, yeah, you're like, wait, what bet? I don't know what bet you're talking about. I got receipts of you tweeting at me the night of the bet. And then you're like, I don't know what bet you're talking about. But And then all of a sudden on the side, you're like, oh, yeah, man, I remember the bet. So, you know, it's <laughs> fine. You you play that card. It, it, it's fine. I got the receipts. Um, but I, I think it's good for this show because now I'm the villain and I'm rooting against the Golden Knights. All right. We've accepted the bet. Ari will be paying for your end if – we don't win. <laughs> and then, wait, so Ari pays if I win, and and then you reap the benefits if you guys win. It's National Best Friends Day. That's what best friends do. Okay, fair enough. By the way, that was just thrown out there because I just I keep looking for some return on that, and no one will return anything. It just it throws everyone off. I yeah, I have no response to that. I just can't wait for Game Five. What are we looking at? About an hour and fifteen from puck drop. I will be. Uh, I might be standing for the whole third period. Do you have a new best friend in the Boston area already? Uh, that's a good question. I, I really enjoy one of the guys I work with. We do our segment together. It's called okay. Better Together. 
Um, oh. He's one of my best. Yeah, one of my best friends probably from work. But I have made a good friend already. One of my buddies that I worked with in Chicago has a brother who works out here in Boston, and, and he likes to hit the town. And you've seen me out on the town. Like, you know, I, I like to get after it. I don't like to go home early. So, yeah, I think I think I definitely have – I wasn't expecting this question. You can't really prepare for this. So, I, no. I think I probably met about three new people that I would want nice. in my life forever, and that's a pretty good number. Six Ooh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a strong commitment. You are easy. Yeah. Well, it's been six Man. months. I mean, like, I, it, it takes me like six weeks to know if I like somebody or not. Six months is a long time. Wow. Sam Panny, I knew I it with you was... guys. I knew it with you and Adam Hill. We'll always be friends. That didn't take long. Wow. See, this is what I, I was, was there. For. I was there for like a cup of coffee. It's very emotional didn't, now. Very emotional. Didn't include Ari. I like that. Yeah, he didn't Not include Ari. Yeah. Sorry, Ari. Like <laughs> um, so, as an example, would you take Adam and I to Dirty Nellies? Yes, I would. You know, the problem with Dirty Nellies is that there is no AC. And <laughs> old school look, Boston. Old school but, Boston. You know, yeah. It's one of those places where you stick to the bar and your drink your drink starts sweating when you set it immediately on the counter. <laughs> and then the windows don't open and it's you know, there's only there's only twenty people in there. It's a small joint, but it, I'm telling you, it was ninety three outside, it was hundred and ten inside Dirty Nelly's. Oh my week. god. How how miserable was it? Uh, you know, knowing that you were on the Bruins, you got all these Bruins fans around you and just what was going on with their defense? Well, they had some they had some lapses for sure. They're still down yeah. two defensemen. I think Brandon Carlo being out's a big deal. You know, he's a top four defenseman. Uh, he took a, a hit in game I think three, and he hasn't played since. I guess he's coming back for game six. We'll see. But I, I think for the second game in the series, the Bruins have had a one nothing lead and an open net to make it two nothing, and they just they couldn't convert. Marchand had an open like the puck was tumbling, and the goalie was practically dead on arrival, and he couldn't put the puck in. So. You make that game 2 nothing at home early in the first period, I don't think the Islanders bounce back from that. But when you don't capitalize on opportunities in hockey, all of a sudden, you know, it goes from being 2 nothing, maybe 3 nothing, to 1-1 one to one after 1, and the Islanders have a chance. So if you can't put a team away, you guys have, have watched enough hockey over the years. If, if the game should be 4 to nothing and it's 1 to nothing, there's a problem. And if you don't put away those opportunities, you're in trouble. And that's what happened to the Bruins in Game 5. And it also happened in Game Four. What do you make of Bruce Cassidy's uh, New York Saints comment and saying the referees are scared to call anything against New York because their reputation is too good? I, I think he's in the wrong decade. I don't think we respect the Islanders the way we did, you know, back in the day. I think it was like the 1980s or something like that. Like that was when they got. You know, a lot of love. I I think he had to say something though, Adam. Um, just just to come to his guys' defense because there was a play. It was one one in that game. Um, you know, early in the second period, and one of his guys got high stick, and then he took a cross check to the face, and and like they didn't call anything. And then there was a ticky tack call at center ice, and all of a sudden the Bruins are in the box and the Isles score on the power play. So I don't think it's. I think he's drumming up. The, the situation a bit, but headlines sometimes correct things. You know, you write for the paper, you write a headline, you get responses. And I think him saying the New York Saints or whatever, I think it might benefit them in game number six. Now, I'm not going to complain. A lot of people will go, well, the refs, you know, I, I lost because of the refs. Look, that, the refs are there. We know the refs suck. We, they suck in every sport. They lost because they couldn't convert. 
the refs didn't help, but I think Cassidy saying that for his team, it shows the room that he has their back, and I think it might even things out in the next game. In the NBA, I'm starting to feel a Suns-Nets final. What do you think? Yeah, it's Brooklyn and, and fill in the blank. Um, I'm still high on the Jazz. Uh, I got them 10-1 to 1 about middle of April. I just I felt they were the most complete team, offense, defense, and coaching. Um, <laughs> we've seen Brooklyn just dominate everybody, though, and it, it could be one of those years where they just they, they can't be stopped. We always talk about getting stops in basketball. I don't know who stops them. Um, I mean, they've just – they have dismantled Milwaukee in two games, and James Harden's played 40 seconds. It's, it's scary, but when you look at the odds boards, the Nets are like plus 110 to win the title. Buddy, there's eight teams left. You know, <laughs> There's two rounds remaining in full. I, I can't believe the market is this low. And, and in tune, it makes everybody else a little bit juicier. You know, the Clippers and Jazz, 5-1. to one, The Suns, 7-1. to one. I think the Nets' dominance recently – has created value on the three teams right underneath them, if that makes any sense. Do you get the sense of, that any of that is long-term exposure? Like, are, are they are they facing a lot of bets that could come in and they just don't want any more money? They don't want to write any more bets on Brooklyn. Remember, they were 12-1. to 1. You know, they were high as 12-1 to 1 when uh, James Harden was still a member of the Houston Rockets. So that trade happens. You know, Jeff Sherman at the Westgate, I remember he's like, I whacked it down to eight right away before we even, like, took a bet or two. So they moved it to eight, and then the guys bet it from eight down to three. Then the Nets couldn't stay healthy, so they rode it back up a little bit, like five, six to one. And then, you know, it's the middle of March, and they're still 455 to one. Playoff start, people look at the rosters, they're like, oh, yeah, they got three stars, and then they bet them. So, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been great action since, early January on the net. So all that liability has built up and the books have watched. The betters have watched. They, I mean, they destroyed Boston. They are whooping the, they're just whooping the behinds of, of Milwaukee. They don't want to write any more bets on Brooklyn. That's why they're plus 10. There's no, one of the things I love about the expansion of sports betting, obviously more opportunities and, you know, more, uh, more chances for, you know, different numbers and things like that. And, and widespread, uh, you know, different, just different things on the board and things to bet. All that is fun. But one of the other things I really like is the expanded coverage of some of these betting stories. And what I'm getting at here is the John Rahm story over the weekend where some books decide to pay it off, even though he has to withdraw after the third round because he had a big lead. It's really just a marketing ploy. But, like, what did you make of this whole situation, especially, like, how it was covered in some places? Number one, amazing that he had a six-shot lead with COVID. That, no, that's number one, right? Number two, if I had bet John Rahm, that's one of the worst beats ever, but I wouldn't be up in arms because the bets say you have to win the tournament. Right. So Circa and Superbook, like, they're like, hey, he didn't win. And that's, that's correct. Like, they don't have to pay that off. Here's what I didn't like. I didn't like the, the DraftKings and the FanDuel's and the points bets and the MGM's all like, rushing to, to like, announce that they're going to pay everybody out. Like, first of all, John Rahm was the favorite to win the tournament. Like, this is not a big dent for them. And all those books are trying to do is create customers. Hey, look at what we just did. We just paid out bets on the favorite. Look who, we're the greatest books in the world. And then the reality is, if I win, I can't get down $100 with those books. So they celebrate them paying out, quote, bad beats, but they don't take bets from winners. 
you know, cutting into this sports betting conversation, you're cutting into an onion and you never know what's going to come out. There's good, there's bad, but there's a lot of stuff in between. And I think the books that know what they're doing, they're not paying those bets out because John Rahm didn't win. <laughs> Sam, great job. Good luck in your bets. I think you're going to lose it. That's fine. Uh, by the way, Kyle Pitts, let's talk about him next week to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. No more Julio. Pitts is like 14-1 and one at the Westgate. So Ooh. I don't think that's going to be around long. Good one. Nice. Good close. Thanks, Sam. See you. Five o'clock hours on the way. We'll get into uh, more of that gift. That's it. Talk about National Best Friends Day. Kraft getting a freaking Bentley. We'll get you the ins and outs of VGK game number five as we move towards the six o'clock start over on Fox Sports 1340 and 98.9 FM. Visit lvsportsnetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.